Hello, and welcome to another episode of Charles Weekly Party. I'm Charles, your host, and before we get started with what's going to be another one of our season-closing specials, let's roll the intro. Alright, so if you tuned in last week, you will have noticed that I brought Michael back on, and we did a lot of talking about the top five topics in tech for 2021. Now, to balance out the scale, it's time to go over the top five in architecture of 2021 for this podcast. So, the reason I'm doing this is because to finish off the year, I think it's a beautiful thing to look back and reflect on the episodes that really made a difference. So these are, so for the top five in architecture, these are the top five after reviewing the entire list of episodes this season. These are the five topics in architecture that I would talk about if I could only talk about five this year. Now, the thing with architecture is, unlike tech, it's a little bit more timeless. So, of the things I'm going to talk about today, they're certainly not all completed this year, and they're certainly not all brand new. However, these are five architecture topics that really stood out among a crowd. And... I'm not saying that the rest of the things I talked about this year were insignificant or weren't worthy of my time. What I'm saying is that these five are the things that I looked at and I had a beautiful feeling of reminiscence when looking at. These five stood out. So, without further ado, I'm going to go over the year in architecture. Now, it should be known that for this top five, they are not arranged in any particular order. Well, actually, they are. But tech last week was not arranged in any particular order. These are not in order of favoritism. Rather, they are in order of the episode in which they debuted. So, first and foremost... I'm going to have to talk about the Steve Jobs Theater. Now, you might ask, what really made that one so special, right? Well, this year, we talked about a lot of different things that Apple has been doing. And for episode 2102, talked about the Steve Jobs Theater because it was one of my sort of favorite pieces of architecture. And this was this was back when the podcast was first starting and back when the format was one piece of architecture and one piece of technology. Now, this really sort of tied in everything because it was a piece of architecture that many of us knew. And many of us knew it not necessarily just because, or not because we've all been to Apple Park, but because we've all paid a bit of attention to Apple's keynotes. 
Although, if I remember correctly, their last one didn't feature the Steve Jobs Theater. Actually, no. No, I, I think it did. But they, they were... The last uh, keynote was a little bit interesting, so... I'm going to uh, leave that where leave that where it stands because I can't be sure either way. However, the architectural sequences of that really are what made it stand out. And personally, what made it stand out was that I had been told there is no such thing as structural glass, and this building was proof that that statement was false. This building is entirely supported by glass. Or, when I say entirely supported, I mean the above-ground portion. The rest of it does have other um, structural materials. However, the top roof that you see is entirely supported by glass. And, if that wasn't impressive enough, the seams between the glass panels in that sealant is where all of the water lines are for the sprinklers, all of the data and electricity lines are for the speakers that are in the ceiling, for the um, lights that are in the ceiling. All of that goes through those little seams. And that really sort of made it impressive. The fact that they put this on a uh, small hill of its own made it, made it stand out more, sort of let people see how impressive it was. And the the attention to detail was just absolutely outstanding. The fact that Apple designed a had a custom glass elevator designed for this because they didn't want an elevator with two sets of doors, which would have been necessary for the fact that they wanted the doors to open in different spots or in non parallel locations everything just came together so to really sort of conclude about how or why this is on the list is because this particular piece of architecture was something that was really brought... It was a piece of architecture that we were all made slightly familiar with if you were paying attention to the Apple Keynotes. It's a breakthrough in the fact that we're able to structurally support something with glass. And despite the fact that most of it's underground, the little nooks and crannies that this theater has in it Make it stand out. Sure, Apple could have just put a nice above-ground theater in, but it wouldn't have felt right. And in the end, the, the whole bringing everything together was that this theater was named after Apple's uh, founder, Steve Jobs, and to recognize his impact on the company. So if, if you think, I, right now, my notes are on an Apple device. Many of us use Apple devices in our daily lives, and it all comes down to decisions made by Steve Jobs. So, 
the architectural representation of that is that on the surface you see part of the Steve Jobs Theater. Same way the world saw a part of Steve Jobs. However, there's a lot under the surface, a lot of little bits and details, and where all where a lot of magical stuff happens is not seen to the eye unless you dig deeper. So it's an architectural representation of Steve Jobs' personality. Yes, we all saw and we all knew of Steve Jobs. However, there was a lot that went on. A lot of what brought Apple to where it is today. And a lot of aspects of um, Jobs' personality. That we will never really know unless we really dig deep. So yes, you can find a lot of little details about Steve Jobs and the impact that he had. But, unless you first enter into the glass pavilion of his life, you can't take the staircase down to enter into the great expanse of all that he did. If you'd like to hear more about the um, Steve Jobs Theater and the full sort of architectural breakdown of it, you can be sure to um, go back to episode 2102, which is where I talked about um, talked about the Steve Jobs Theater in detail. The next thing I'd like to talk about today is the vessel. So located in New York City at Hudson Yards, this one-of-a-kind sculpture is an absolute, absolutely beautiful sight to behold. So, technically the vessel is a temporary name. However, as I said back in episode 2103, the name is still in use and it likely will not change. And that's, that's purely my opinion. Full explanation is back in the episode. Now, what made what makes it so special is that it is a climbable structure. And for the record, yes, I've been there and I've climbed up to the top. It's really something similar to the Eiffel Tower. And in more ways than one. So both the Eiffel Tower and the Vessel got a lot of flack when they were first unveiled. However, unlike the Eiffel Tower, the vessel was intended to be permanent, and it still is. However, there's, there's been a lot of um, issues recently because three people ended up jumping off of the top of the vessel. So despite the fact that it is an extravagant art piece that, and one that you can climb and use, it's really in an interesting position. 
is if you think about it, New York City is focused on utility. The subways are there to get you from point A to point B much faster than you could walk or drive. The skyscrapers are there to maximize the um, possible square footage that you can put on a single piece of land. However, not much in that city is just there for decoration and enjoyment. You might tell me, oh, what's uh, Times Square for? Times Square is sort of a function. It's a popular space, but it's also very functional. Times Square has a lot of retail establishments, and it has a lot of advertising. So the purpose, part of the purpose of Times Square is to be used as a retail area to encourage people to spend money. So if you, if you want to dig deep. Another beautiful aspect of New York City is Central Park. That has to be there as, that was originally planned out with the city planning to make sure that people had a green, greening space because that, that's an important element of the suburbs that people moving to New York City would want. And it may be there for enjoyment, but it also serves a very functional use in the sense of if you want to walk your dog in New York City, the, on the only real place to... You could do that on the streets, sure. But the only real place to be able to spend quality time and maybe have a game or do a game of fetch is Central Park. So in that sense, it's very functional. And another, another element, just to complete the point, is Grand Central Station. The obvious purpose that it serves is to manage rail traffic from multiple different lines and do it all under one roof. So if you're entering New York City by via rail, your chances are going to be that you're going through um, Grand Central Terminal of which they're working on a pretty big expansion on. And if they do complete that, that'll make for a very interesting podcast episode. But, here's the vessel. It's beautiful to some people. Other people think it's very ugly. And it's there for enjoyment, sort of like uh, Central Park is. But... Does it need to be there? Not really. If it wasn't there, sure, we wouldn't be able to enjoy it. But other than that, we wouldn't lose anything really functional. Now, I'm not saying that I think it should be removed, because there are people who say that, and I'm not one of them, especially considering the $200 million price tag. Nor do I think it should be closed down to visitors. As of recent, they've had to change the rules around to try and prevent people from um, jumping off of the structure in the future. But it is a visual attraction, and it is something that every, every time I go to New York City, I can 
walk down Hudson Yards and I can look at that and think about how not only does it look great, but it it's a little it's a little piece of fun in a city that it's a spot to stop and enjoy some time in a city that's mostly hustle and bustle, get from here to there as fast as you can. And city for the city that never sleeps, that's one of the few spots where you can just climb, you're climbing stairs for you. You can climb as many or as little stairs as you'd like. There's an elevator. You can climb up to the top. You can climb up to the middle. You can climb around it five or six times. You can do what you want to do. It, it lets you choose your own path. And in that sense, it's sort of a reflection of the city. You can go fast, but it there is the opportunity to take it slow from time to time. And if you want to take it slow, then by all means, take it slow, spend some time just relaxing. And that's, it, to that degree, I think it's just a little oasis in the middle of the city. As much as I'd like to keep talking about uh, the vessel, it is, it is one of my favorite things. I do need to sort of switch gears and talk about Pierre Vive. So, Pierre Vive was talked about in episode 2107, and I promise not all of these are the first 10 episodes I've released. But Pierre Vive really stood out as a piece of architecture that it's functional, but unexpected. And that's something I really liked about Zaha Hadid's work. It serves a pretty big purpose. But, if you didn't know what its purpose was, looking at it wouldn't tell you. And I think that might provide some degree of mystery to it. And that was something I really liked. So... Going down to basics, it's located in in Montpellier, and I'm probably not pronouncing this right, but Montpellier, France, and the name translates to Living Stones. So for the design competition that this went on, there was, there was a competition, but Zaha Hadid won by proposing to bring three elements that had never really brought, been brought together under one roof. And to think that you're able to put an archive, library, and sports department in the same building is something absolutely unheard of before this. I would never think to be putting a sports department where one would expect you're not going to be quiet and you're going to be as loud as possible in the same building as a library, where the whole goal is to be quiet as possible. And yet, here we are. What made me want to talk about Pierre Vive, and the reason why I chose it for that episode, was because of its unique shape. I, when I look at it, I don't know exactly what I'm seeing. Sure. It's trying, and I know I'm looking at a building made out of concrete, glass, and steel. 
but it has so many it has a lot of natural sort of curvature to it and a lot of elements that give it a different taste make it makes it look a I don't know how best to put it but it's it's unexpected it's this, it's this cute little, I want to say, treat to the eye. You're looking at something that makes you think for a second. Makes you sit, ponder, and wonder. And in architecture, that's something I like. So if you look at, for the, for the most part, if you look at a retail store, you see the logo and you sort of know what you're going to expect in there. Or you see the outside finish and you know what you're going to expect. However, despite the fact of having glass windows, this building is a complete secret as to what what's inside. Unless you know, if you just saw a picture and I, if I showed a random person on the street a picture of Pierre V. And I said, can you tell me what's inside of this building? I don't know what answer I would get. But I'm sure it wouldn't be the right one. However, I'm sure it would be a very good puzzler. So you look at it and you wonder, what is this, go what is this going to be? So, that sort of, that element of wonder... The element of awe and the element of curiosity make architecture stand out a lot more. Sure, anyone anyone can build your average library. Anyone can build your average sports complex. But then again, those are average. In the modern, we need to sort of change the way people look at architecture. It's more than simple to create something that looks like it looks like what it is. Architecture is not only about how something looks, but it's about how something feels. And to mess with a person's feelings like this is actually a good thing. Because when you're looking at a new building, building designed with architecture in mind, you should have a sense of curiosity. You should wonder about it. And yet, I think that's something that's missing in a lot of architecture today. There aren't a lot of surprises or twists there's just a lot of there's just a lot of um, cookie cutter buildings in a lot of places, and that's something that's I, I've sort of noticed in even in New York City, where you have sure you have a lot of skyscrapers, little bits of difference, but a lot of them are very similar come down to similar elements. And for the most part, none of the skyscrapers really draw curiosity. 
But then you have buildings like Pierre that you can just look at and get an instant appreciation for. And that's something I think the world needs more of. Now, as I mentioned, this was from episode 2107. So if you would like to listen to my full take on Pierre Vive, then please feel free to go back and check that episode out. And I mentioned skyscrapers in New York City earlier. Well, speaking of New York City, I'm going to talk about the 9-11 reflecting pools again. The 9-11 reflecting pools located in New York, New York, um, at the are on the footprints of the former Twin Towers. Or one of my favorite things to talk about this year. Because for something that isn't a building, it is still something that evokes feeling, that has a structural, or that has... Not necessarily structural, but it has meaning to it. It's something that people can feel and observe. And I think that makes it architecture. Even though it's not something you can open a door and walk into. It is something that evokes a strong emotional response. So the title of it was Reflecting Absence, and around the memorial pools, there are two of them, one on the footprint of the North Tower and one on the footprint of the South Tower. The names of the 2,977 lives lost in the 9-11 attacks are listed, are engraved around the outside of both of the pools as well as the six lives lost in February 26th of 1993 in the parking garage bombing. And that memorial was lost in the attacks as well. So the key part about it is that although water is continuously pouring into the voids in the center of the pools, they can never truly be filled. And I chose this piece because of that strong, hidden meaning. You can stand at the edge of the pool and look at the names. You can stand at the edge of the pool, look at the names, trace letters of some of the names with your fingers. And you can realize that every single name you're looking at was a person. And what made this on my, or what really put this on my top five list was the fact that I've been to a few memorials. This is one of the most heart-touching ones that I visited. And 
I don't... I personally did not lose anyone in the attacks. I was also very, very young at the time. But... It goes without saying that I can stand there and I can feel a chill to the bone. And it was... The day I was there was a... It wasn't the coldest day, but it wasn't the warmest day. But yet I felt an internal chill. And having something that can evoke that feeling is something that's worth, not, worth my time not only talking about it, but worth my time remembering why it's there. And if you listen to the full episode, which is number 2126, that episode was released on the around the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Altogether, wanting to do something to properly remember the lives lost, this memorial not only deserves the credit that it gets, but it deserves even more credit than that. And even if you did not lose anyone in the 9-11 attacks, if you get the chance, I encourage you to visit the memorial. And I know I have listeners from all around the world. If you're ever in the United States, ever in New York City specifically, I encourage you to visit that memorial because it is one of the most heart-touching memorials and one of the most heart-touching places on this planet that I have ever been. And that is why it's on my top list. To finish on a slightly more cheerful note, I'd like to bring up the Caliph House. So... This one was talked about in episode 2133. And it was one that I had wanted to talk about, but I ended up having to put on the back burner due to a um, tech episode that needed to be done and ended up posing as a er, posing as one of the options for um, Michael for his first appearance on uh, Charles Weekly Party. I had a feeling he would choose this one, and my feeling was correct. So, this house is one of one of my favorite houses to see, because it's similar to um, what was it? I want to say Pierre Vive, but not. It's not quite the exact same. But this house is deceptive. It really makes the facade makes you think that the house is smaller than it really is. And that's something that stood out to me. The fact that it had a cantilever stood out to me. And the interesting shape that reflects the oddly shaped land plot that it's on sort of caught my eye. But none of that explains how it got to be on this list of top things that caught my eye. 
The moment I saw this house, sure, I've looked at a lot of them so far. Especially even over this past season. I, I don't know the exact count, but I think half the time I've talked about commercial buildings and half the time I've talked about um, homes. However, of all the houses I talked about this season, this was my favorite. And the reason for that is simple. The house just has so many little areas of adventure. If you, my favorite thing to talk, my favorite thing to uh, bring up is comparing architecture to a cookie cutter house. And this house is beyond not a cookie cutter house. You look at it, it does not look like a normal house. If you look at it from a different view, it has a cantilever. Most people do not have or want a cantilever on their house. And I don't think most neighborhoods would be happy with it. Imagine you have house, house, regular house, regular house, regular house, and then just a beautiful piece of architecture sitting there. Despite the fact that it is the best looking house in the block, people aren't going to like it because it's different. And the whole thing with homes is that they should all be different. However, at the same time, many of us are used to end up having to travel, change homes because of, for either economic reasons, family reasons, or preference reasons. So to that degree, it's very very rare to see architectural houses. Yet, when they're built, they're, they are so outstanding that they're worthy of all of the attention that they get. And as much as I hate the cookie-cutter house concept, I think that actually helps make houses like the Caliph house so much or so much better you wouldn't think or if every house had a cantilever it wouldn't be anything special but no this house has a cantilever on it this house has an interesting shape to it even on some of the most oddly shaped pieces of land that I've seen it, even if it's in a neighborhood it's going to have a rectangular house on it. The angling of the house might just be a little bit different so that the driveway can go onto the street. That's it. And yet we have we have houses and I need to properly credit that it is located in Colima, Mexico and I don't think I've gone over the designers but I'll mention it. It's Caleb's house was designed by DeFrena Architects and I think I did two um, houses that they did this season. But this, of the houses that I've looked at, some I was comparing back and forth, but this house, even if Michael had said, you know what, I want to talk about a different, I gave him a, I gave him a, a couple of options to look through. He picked this one. If he hadn't have picked this, I would have talked about it at the very next week. Because this house was something that not only caught my eye, it once again intrigued me. I wondered what was on what was on the cantilever. Why was it cantilevered? 
because there you have a cantilever, you have an open area, and then you have the uh, level. I think it was second level, first level, and ground level. So you had the second level, you had a space, in no, no part of the first level, and then you had the ground level. And for most people, they you want your house to span all levels and all areas. Except maybe your garage. But no, this house did it differently. This house made it stand out. And as beautiful as the cantilever is, they don't, it isn't a shove it in your face the moment you see it. From the front, you would not have any idea that the back end has a cantilever. So once again, like Pierre Vive, this house has hidden secrets. And like the Steve Jobs Theater, you see one thing, but the full scope of it is hidden from immediate view. And you have to dig to actually get it. And that is what really brings architecture, or what really makes architecture special. It's the fact that you're able to see a building and it's able to make you feel something. And if you've noticed throughout the list, everything on my top five list, Steve Jobs Theater, The Vessel, Pierre Vive, the 9-11 Reflecting Pools, and the Caliph House, all made me feel something when looking at them. That's why all of them are on the top five. That's what it has made all of them so special, and that is what makes them so exciting and makes me want to see those that I haven't yet in person. Obviously, Caleb's house might be a little bit harder because it's hard to just knock on someone's door and say, hey, I'd like to take a look around your house because I'm interested in the architecture. But that's that's what the uh, photos that are made publicly available are for. Now, if I did have the opportunity to go take a tour of it, I would not um, complain about that. But all of the all five are pieces of architecture that made me feel something, and that, my friends, is why architecture is one of the two things that I always enjoy talking about on this podcast. Because realize it or not, the job of an architect is to make sure that you feel something when you're in the building. And if it's done right, you will. Now, as interesting as it has been talking about these five pieces of architecture, I'm going to have to wrap up this episode for today. So I do hope you've enjoyed this episode. My thought is just, or my thoughts in party are just to really sort of bring everything together. I know many people don't necessarily think about the architecture and the world around them, but it, when it's done right, it can have such a huge impact. So I guess I'm, my party for not only the week, but for the year is to look at the world around you and find something that intrigues you. 
And if you can, after you find something that intrigues you, try and dig deeper. Try and learn as many, learn as much about the building as you can. Or even if it isn't a building, try and learn as much about it as you can. Because I'm sure you will not get less excited after learning more. And if you do manage to learn everything about the building, all that's going to be left is a desire to find another building that intrigues you and do it all over again. Now, this is episode 2139. And I said that the season would have 40 episodes. So that means... This is the next to last episode, and the next episode is the last episode of not only the year, but of the season. So, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss that future episode, and you don't miss the upcoming uh, season, which I'll talk about more next time. And you can go to anchor.fm slash charlesweeklypartee, where you can listen to all episodes of the podcast, as well as interacting with a voice message. Also, Please, if you can, support the podcast. It helps out a lot, and I'll talk a little bit more about this in the season finale. But there are goals for the next season that, with your support, will be a lot more feasible. Also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to leave a review. It helps out a lot. And you can see the action if you go to YouTube. And the YouTube links are also provided on the Anchor page. Or you can just search Charles Weekly Part T, but if hearing my voice isn't enough, you can see the action on YouTube. So, it's been a very interesting year in architecture. If I'd love to talk about all of the pieces of architecture I did this year, but like technology, I have to pare it down to five. So, hope you enjoyed it. Take care, find some intriguing architecture, and roll the outro.